0: of mcw fancast i'm emma this week we're joined by deborah dilworth from the football supporters association uh, thank you for joining us and um, we're also joined by jude from the osc um firstly how are you both i hope you're keeping well i am good i am uh, we are still very much active in the football supporters association so we're keeping
1: busy with lots of different supporter um issues and requests and um trying to trying to assist in lots of different ways so we're still pretty busy good
2: and how are you G? yeah i'm good thanks uh spoken a couple of weeks back so still really busy with work uh, still missing the football.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely missing the football now. I'm getting a bit of cabin fever. <laughs> uh, so, Deborah, for those that may not know or haven't heard about the uh, FSA before, could you just tell us a little bit about what you do and, and your role within the organisation? Yeah, certainly. So, the Football Supporters Association is the national
1: supporters' body for um, England and Wales. We're a not-for-profit organisation. Um, we have about roughly about half a million individual fan members. And then we look after roughly 300 supporters, groups, trusts and clubs. Um, so we, we originally were two organisations, Supporters Direct and Football Supporters Federation. Uh, we're a member organisation. So our members voted in 2018 to, to combine uh, the two groups, which made the Football Supporters Association. So we're sort of new, old Uh, in a way. Um, I'm the EFL Network Manager and the Women's Game Network Manager, so my job is to to look after people, um, to support them in their training, uh, training them as volunteers, uh, campaigning, lobbying, and basically connecting fan groups with each other um, to provide a national and local voice uh, for, for supporters.
0: And so it's quite a, a broad spectrum then of what, of what you guys do.
1: Yes, super broad. And we, we've got lots of different arms of our organisation. So we've got networks within the Premier League, the EFL, community-owned clubs, which are several community-owned clubs
0: um, across football. Uh, we've got National League and Fans for
1: Diversity. Uh, we also look after, we've got a person that looks after stewarding and policing issues, uh, banning bans from the stadium. Um, any sort of like issues and problems that arise from that uh, so it's, it's super varied
0: so how how important is it for the fsa to build on the relationships with sport groups such as man city women supporters club so
1: our member our members are pivotal to our organization because we are a member organization but within the women's game it's it's super important because so far there's there are has been supporters Clubs, but as I would have said to Jude in the past, they're not necessarily all working together as much as they potentially could be in order to lobby the FA, the leagues, and to make sure that there is supporter representation and a supporter voice on varying different issues. And so sometimes supporters do get missed out when actually they're one of the key stakeholders. So it is so important. To, to to have this voice within the women's game um, and it's growing which is good so we, be, we strongly believe in having support representation across all different levels of football.
0: And um, Jude like from a, a fan's perspective why did the OSC take the decision to join the Football Supporters Association and what have you found the benefits are from working with the FSA? Yeah a lot of
2: the things that the, the FSA stand for are things that the, the supporters club have been doing and, and wanting to get more involved with for, uh, for a few years I mean we, we've we been established since December 2015 so we're, we're into our fifth year now so you know we're probably more, one of the more established supporters clubs across uh, women's football um certainly probably one of the biggest as well so for us it's you know we always want to learn new things um you know we want to hear what what do other fans do what do other supporters groups do um and and whilst we talk to each other at games um i think bringing having it as a network and and the fsa gives us that mechanism it's kind of a voice for women supporters, you know, because to get a foot in the door with the governing bodies as well, you know, we, we see lots of good things and lots of things that maybe you would raise your eyebrows out that maybe our, our esteemed colleagues at the FA, maybe how they keep re-licensing and, and the whole history of women's football. Um, so, so being involved with that and having a, a foot in the door as a fan is, is great. I think the other thing as well, you know, we've got we've already got a really strong relationship with Manchester City women. Um, and the operational team there. So, you know, we it's not about necessarily building that more, but, you know, we meet with them maybe once a season. We've got a really good open communication. So, if we need to contact them, if we've encountered issues, um, or, you know, we want to share feedback, or City want to give us ideas, you know, they'll, they'll do that. And so th- that's already working really well. But for, for us, it's, you know, what else can we do? You know, what else? And let's get women's football fans together. Um, and, and really trying to, it's building awareness of the game, building the fan base as well. You know, what, what are other teams doing and what are other supporters doing to try and get more people coming to games as well? You know, can we learn from that? Can we, can we help with things that we've done? Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean it's, it's being involved from the beginning as well. You know, this is new. I mean, talking to, to Deb's originally, it's almost like a blank piece of paper, you know, well, what do we want to do for, for the women's game within the FSA so yeah we're really keen to, to be involved and help
1: it grow. I think that's a really important point as I well, just to pick up what you said is that the, we're not trying to do I'm not trying to do a cookie cutter kind of replication of what's happening in the men's game uh, we do have an established network as i previously mentioned but it's not about just saying oh, okay that's there so we're going to just transfer this across so it's definitely a reciprocal working relationship where once the Uh, supporters clubs come on board into the network well it's theirs to influence it's not necessarily me going right we're definitely doing this I do have a shape in mind and a vision in mind but it's it's got to be heavily influenced by the groups it can't just be us
0: directing everything and that's the point it's got to be a conversation not just a monologue by the FSA. How, how often is that communication? How how often do you check in with those supporter groups to ensure that that information is communicated and uh, you, you know taking that on board? I think. Well, I think yesterday I might have
1: emailed the groups about two or three times on various different <laughs> issues. So it's, I would say it's been quite heavy um, since. But we, but at the minute it's a bit chicken and the egg because we're we're sort of just shaping up. We're a, we're a network of five. Uh, you know and in some so in the EFL there's there's loads loads more groups so in a way it's nice because we can have smaller conversations but um, depending on the varying issues Man City is a different case because they're more established. Some of the groups have just starting up so maybe need a bit of help and a bit of shape. Some some groups wanna have a formal constitution, have side policies, have uh, a more established committee will have help shaping and training their committee. So there's there's lots of different issues. So depending on what the issue or concern is, it will depend on that will um, affect the amount of communication. But just the general issues... Um, like I said three so, times yesterday, I think on I emailed them. There's about to email a four of them to so say I'm so sorry I'm emailing you so much. But this, this is why back in the women's game. And this is why it's really important that supporters clubs are being set up and are, are wanting to be part of the conversation nationally and locally.
0: Yeah. And, and how many women's supporters clubs have you got on board at the moment? So I
1: have five. Um, so that's Man City, Man United, <laughs> <laughs> and Chelsea, Bristol and Liverpool. But I've been having conversations with um, other supporters' clubs uh, to to try to sort of spread the word about what we're trying to do. Um, But you know, it's I strongly believe it's important for everybody to sort of come together on this for this national voice, um, and this is a mechanism to do it. So you know, it's just yeah, trying to like put our voice out there and say we can offer a network, we can offer training, we can offer templates you know, you don't have to
0: like reinvent the wheel necessarily. I mean, last summer, uh, the FSA launched a free Lionesses supporter service and a lot of fans benefited from that. And and it was great to have that international representation there for supporters as well, especially, I I mean, I know yourself, Jude, and me. I I mean, if it wasn't for the free Lionesses, I probably wouldn't have got to to the Leon Stadium because I didn't know how to get there. So they they were definitely useful. Uh, And I know a lot of the feedback was really positive. So did you see um, a lot of engagement and have you been pleased with the response?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was overawed almost with the response. I was so pleased with it because when the two organisations merged, the FSF originally had been running fans embassies for the men's tournaments for about 20 years but n- n- never run a women's tournament. So when we merged, I just saw an opportunity to say, this is going to be a massive World Cup we need to make sure that the, the supporters are being supported across the whole of football. Um, so I got my elbows out and I got my pitching voice out and I was like, right, okay. <laughs> and luckily like, they said yes. So I then went across and, you know, I learned a lot of things in terms of, um, you know, maybe we didn't have to do every embassy before and on the game day because that, that was the schedule that we'd given ourselves. So we did actually run 10, 10 embassies across six games. Um, but overall, once I was doing some of the statistics, I worked out we must have roughly seen or spoken to about 1,200 supporters. So to get over 1,000 people coming in and just saying hello and, you know taking one of our free supporters guys was I mean I was just loving it and um, I couldn't really speak by the end of it I don't think I, think I lost my voice a little bit but it was amazing and it also showed a genuine need that people did need support if they like lost their phones people people had their passports stolen so we were that connecting dot to just say right you've had, in this situation you need to go and try and do this um, so yeah, I, I was super pleased, and that really was—that was really me testing the water to see if supporters did want to start to have a bit more of a voice, and it showed. It showed me that they did, so that's why we started to work on the women's network more. So yeah, I was, I was super pleased with how it went, and it's great to hear. It's great to hear that, even though I would not want you to be lost in Leo. It's
0: great, <laughs> I really did get there. Thankfully, I just got there for kickoff. <laughs> Jude, <laughs> um, I mean, you were you were out there for a lot of the World Cup. Um, how invaluable was it having the three lionesses out there and having that that support uh, support, if you like?
2: It was really good. Um, it was the first time we'd ever been to a World Cup, um, so I had nothing to compare that. But we'd been to the the Women's Euros in the Netherlands in, in 2017. So again, massive tournament. We were there for for, for the duration of both of them. So. I can only compare Euros with, with, with the World Cup, and having ha- having the free lionesses and, and the fan embassies at the World Cup was fantastic. Um, for us, it was, it was somewhere to go before the game as well. You can meet up with fellow supporters, and you know, they, obviously given that the volumes are a lot smaller compared to the men's. Um, so, when you're there, you're actually seeing a lot of people that you'd meet in WSL games as well. So, you know, we'd meet up with some of the Chelsea fans and, and, and different supporters, and you'd get a lot of the you know, the media would be rocking up, you'd see ex players and their families, and it was such a relaxed atmosphere. Um, but on top of that, you know, if you needed help with your tickets, there was somebody there. I think once we got into the knockout round, you know, we were collecting all of our tickets from, from there. Um, and it was a lot easier to deal with than it was with, with FIFA. I think we all know the the farce with the tickets um with, with, with France. Um, so you know, that made life a lot easier. Where I met Debs as well, uh, for for the first time and and started to hear about what, what Debs was looking at setting up. Um and, and yeah, it was great, you know, how how to get to the ground, the, the Um, the user guide, the the little tool pack thing that that they're speaking about that giving out as well. We just just sort of like added a bit of extra to it because I think we go into some of the towns and some of the locations, so some had it some had their setup better than others. You know, I think, you know, Leon I've been there a few times with Manchester City, so we know, you know, we sort of know a way around Leon but um, you know, Nice it was, you know, the stadium was right outside the town and Whilst you've got your fan zones, they weren't great, Um, but having somewhere that was very specific for, you know, language obviously helps as well, you know. Um, But but just having that little place to go to, you know, before the game, you can have a drink, get some food, chat to fans, um, and a lot of people would start making their way to the shuttle busses. Together as well. If you were travelling by the bus, um, starts to generate a bit of the atmosphere as well. So which which carries on into the ground. So so yeah. I mean, I, I would absolutely recommend it. If you're going to an England away game, go go and see the uh, the embassy.
1: I think it's an important it's an important thing to say as well that that was a really good example of the FA the FSA and we had we partnered with She Kicks as well. So She Kicks did the designing of the supporters guide. But that's a really nice. Symbol of how people can work together. You know the supporters and the governing body or the football association, the football associations can actually work together quite nicely. And so you know it helped that the ticketing from the FA and we were in the same place for sure. And um, to make, to make it easier for England fans. And um, So that's hopefully what we're trying to replicate in the the leagues as
0: well. Is trying to get that across. Working relationship. I mean, to me, it was a success, and you know, it, you can only build on from that. And you know, I think that's credit to obviously the FSA and the work that you've already done and the work that you're doing. So, uh, well done to you all because it's great. Yeah, oh, thank you. No, appreciate that. Um, so this season we've witnessed record attendances from the opening day of the Women's Super League, league even <laughs> with the Manchester derby at the SES Stadium to the Tottenham Stadium for the North London derby, and we're more fans than ever spectating the women's game and regularly now attending fixtures. Do you think that we'll continue to see the women's game go from straight to strength from next season? Whatever the next season's
2: gonna look like. <laughs> <need to> <laughs> I don't know what this season's gonna finish like yet, do we so, um, I think I think it's fantastic. I mean see at the Etihad. Um, for for them for the first and I need to be careful here it's the first professional Manchester derby yeah um, you know there's been lots of Manchester derbies before that but this is the first professional Manchester derby um, and and it was amazing it's absolutely brilliant and then seeing other games like at Tottenham and and Stamford Bridge um, you know lots lots of people there and um, Anfield as well. Um, I think for me, it's it's about trying to keep those numbers up because it's great that you can get thirty odd thousand or whatever rocking up to to a to the Etihad, um, but it's how do we then get them to come to the CFA for the the Academy Stadium um, for the next game, um, and it's you know, it's 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 building on that. I think um, obviously the whole COVID nineteen has been. You know, it's it's obviously kiboshed Bosh at the end of the season. So, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but for me, it's just getting those numbers up. Um, I think City do quite well. Um, you know, they if you go to a City men's game, the the women is they're always in the programme. There's always an article in the programme. All the stats about the games are in the programme. They're advertising the games on the electronic scoreboards and and, and the Sort of around the pitch so, so they, they do that very well um, but it's it's just about getting more into the ground um, and keeping it um, you know we're, we're seeing high numbers coming in at Chelsea you know so they're obviously doing something right as well mm. um, but then you see other big clubs such as you know Liverpool or Everton and the the numbers the attendances at their games are you know they're very low um, Hopefully it will improve now that Everton have got a new ground. You know, we don't even know if Liverpool are going to be in the WSL next season at the moment. But uh, but yeah, for me it's just building on and, and just growing it. And I think we need it's
0: getting the clubs to invest um, and and getting people in the door. It can only get you can only go up, can't it? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Um, I mean, I mean for the for the FSA. I mean. You've obviously, like you said, you you felt like it was the right time to tap into the women's game, obviously following on from the men's game and the work you've done there. And why did you feel that it was important to do that now? I just,
1: well, part of, I mean, I'm just a huge advocate of the women's game. So I I was, in, when we were supporters direct, I was doing some work on the women's game as well. And, you know, it's a huge growth area. And actually, you know, if we look back 100 years, 99 years, the... There was, like, massive crowds. There was massive crowds at the women's game, and it's this sort of forgotten history of, oh, well, nobody ever watches a women's game, yada, yada, yada usual dribble that we hear is it, not true so it's it was about trying to connect to that i've only been working with the organization for three years um and the efl has quite a lot of meaty cases and um, you know the likes of berry and bolton and stuff so my first year within the role was trying to get established in the efl network but you know for me it was always a women's network as well but i don't think i think since the world cup there has been a growth in spectators more more and unanticipated one to some degree. Like I think it grew um, way way more than they were expecting. To, to some, um, when hearing some opinions, but now we have you know more fans and the the ability to potentially have more supporters. Clubs. It it seems like a really good time. Yeah, it's always been in the back of my mind, but the the, the women's World Cup was that sort of tester to just check um, that.
0: It wasn't just me on my own. My client going, please join me. I mean, like you, you spoke there of of the number of supporter groups that have already signed up um, across the season so far. And um, have you been pleased with the response so far? And have you been encouraged by the possibility of if even more fan groups coming on board?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been really encouraged by the, the uh, people that have joined as members. And it's really exciting, actually, um, because, just like I say, I had this vision in my head, which started with the World Cup, and I just, I can see it growing. And, you know, actually, in some senses, the women's game could be best practice. Um, But we need everybody to be working together. We need the clubs to be open to having that structured dialogue, the reciprocal relationship, for the supporters' clubs to be critical friends as well as championing the clubs and supporting them. Um, So, yeah, it's been super exciting. I I, I think one of the things that we, we struggle with is that sometimes people don't know who we are, and that can be that can be difficult because if you're approaching somebody and it's cold, like sometimes people are a bit wary, but, um, you know, one of the reasons I was delighted to speak on this today is to to try to say, you know, when we don't jump in and change anything, we're here as like a resource and a a sounding board to offer shape and advice. uh, But, but ultimately it's down to the local groups to make the decisions. Like we, we don't come in and, you know, sweeping and go don't do that or don't do this um, so yeah I, I'm excited to see where it's going to grow in and all I'd say all I'd do is um, want to say is to urge people if you're thinking about starting a sports club or you have started one just come and have a conversation with me so that I can chat chat you through What's happening? we, we, met, we met in Nice didn't we So then we met in an yeah. Asda in, in, near the Etihad so you know it's, it's just it's super relaxed it's just an option and a chance to potentially affect the women's game um, and get the standards up because there's there's a lot of issues in the women's game. There's you know accessibility issues, you know games being moved, clashes with the men's team. There's, there's lots of things that affect supporters that aren't that I'm trying to push, but I need I need people with me to be pushing and saying yes, we'll counter sign letters. Yes, we'll and uh, um, you know we want to be part of the national voice as well as the local
0: one mm. I mean it's so, and sometimes that um, fans voice is so important you know to, to get those you know issues across and to actually get them to a place where they'll actually be listened to can be quite difficult and to have this is so important for fans I mean I don't I don't know if you feel the same way Jude about that yeah
2: I, I do I mean I, I pick up on the, the clashes with the men's games you know that, that is probably one of our biggest bugbears I don't know what the right answer is Um, that's well above my pay grade but um, it's hard when you support a football club you should not have to be made to support to to choose which team within that club you're going to go and watch that weekend Um, we're fortunate at Manchester City in the fact that the home games can never clash because the Proximity of the stadium; they're across the road from each other, so that, that can't happen. But you know, when when you're having to pick and choose uh, which game am i going to go and see that weekend, you know, we've had it. We've had it. Uh, the FA Cup final, the first FA Cup final against Birmingham. The men were at home. Um, some made it. You know, they left at about 80 minutes, and the, they made it just before kick-off. Um, we had it last year with. Um, West Ham. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, C- yeah. City.
2: City's game didn't clash purely by luck. I think it was the Leicester game got moved because of I think it was TV or something to do with a, a Champions League final. I can't. I can't remember, but it got moved just by luck. Otherwise, that would have clashed as well. But West Ham, they were playing at home. They had a nothing game against Southampton at three o'clock. Both team, both men's teams, were willing to move the the kick off, even bring it back half an hour. The FA wouldn't do it. You know, it wasn't on telly. Um, so the West Ham fans had to choose and, and you their end got you know, it was pretty empty for the first half. You know, they 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 turned up for the second half, but you know, that that's hard. But I also appreciate it must be hard from the fixtures perspective because the majority of women's clubs ground share with an offer often with a non league team. So you're then looking at the the men's, whether it's the Premier League or the Championship, Uh, fixtures, you're looking at the women's fixtures, you're then looking at the ground share fixtures as well. So it's never going to be perfect, but if there's things that perhaps the clubs can really start speaking up and saying, look, you know, we're losing a fan base here because a percentage will pick
0: the men's team because if you're a men's season ticket holder, they they cost a lot of money.
2: And nine times out of ten, most will pick... The, the men's game at the detriment to the women's game which you know it's a shame so but having that that voice um, because we know other clubs have the same problems you know but coming collectively if there's something we can start to do around that you know that's, that'd be
0: fantastic so you sort of touched on there about um, Debs about how fans can get involved with maybe setting up their own supporters group. What advice would you give to to anybody from the fans' point of view, Jude, and from your own uh, devs? What fan, what advice would you give to those uh, fans that are thinking about it that perhaps haven't got that supporter group yet?
1: Please come and talk to me, so I can help you. Um, but yeah, th- and there's, there's there's endless possibilities with supporters clubs. There's, you know, so we have supporters trusts that are legal models, uh, regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Often in the men's game, they're the, they're the body that would um, make moves to buy a club. So, for example, Portsmouth uh, Supporters Trust, they, they were the body that bought the club and um, when they went into a huge administration, um, you know, lost loads of money, was in loads of debt. So, um, that's that's one model we have supporters clubs and groups uh some are fully constituted others want to focus on atmosphere others want to do lots of diversity projects so there's like there's just endless possibilities with supporters clubs. now some groups do lots of different things and so you know they that that's the beauty you can kind of pick and choose um, and we can try and support you in your your mission with the funds for diversity so if it was a diversity group there is funding available for different projects as well and um, but that's not limited to diversity groups that's open to lots of different supporters clubs so it, endless possibilities if you've got an idea um, and you want to come and chat with me about it i'm i'm more than happy um i'm more than happy to just have a quick conversation um but yeah this if you feel like you want to say in your football club, setting up a supporters club or group is
0: really important. It's a really important mechanism to do that. And Jude, what advice would you give for anyone that's maybe thinking about setting up a supporters group? Do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, it's, if, if I look back at, you know, how, how, did, how did we become we become a branch so i think
2: manchester city women official supporters club we are a branch of the city supporters club so there's over 200 branches worldwide twenty thousand plus members and they are also a member of the fsa um we spoke to them before we we signed up as as members for our branch um and they were really keen for, for us to to get on board um because they're really keen to promote the women's football, and they said, you know, you're the right people to to be to be championing this certainly for Manchester City. Um, yes. But if you're a group of supporters and you're supporting another club, talk to the people that you sat around you, know, and it's, it's just trying to, you know, whether you come up with a few songs, and, and then you think, right, okay, we're going to maybe get a, you know, we'll try and sit here every week, and we'll we'll try and build an atmosphere, or we want to try and go to some away games, you know, let's try and travel together. Um, you know, it's starting to. It's almost like make the effort, you know, really get involved with it, champion it. And once you've got that little group together, perhaps go and have a chat with the club. You know, go and talk to the club as well. Um, if you're not sure how to do that, that's probably where that's you go and have a chat with with the FSA, and then they can help you. And they can come up with a lot of the ideas, and and they can tell you what's worked um, in in other in other um, supporters' clubs as well, and it's sort of starting to build it from there. But you know, the the FSA is there. Um, and I like what Deb is said. It's, it's like a sounding board. You know, we don't have to do everything. You know, we can go. We know we've got somebody who we can go and have a chat with, um, who has you know wide knowledge across the whole of the whole of the sport, and
1: um, to, to help make help make the uh, the supporters club grow. I mean, I think as well, just building on a couple of those points. Yeah, Football clubs are community assets, OK? They're, they're there for the community. So it's about trying to make sure that they're serving the community that, that they, they're in. Um, and it's it's important that football clubs understand and know that um, equally as, as the supporters do. And, and just making sure that you can have a voice within that community asset um, is it's so, so important. And I think sometimes in the women's game, it's like we're so... We so want it to prosper that sometimes you forget that you, you can actually have a voice as well. You, they should be communicating and consulting with supporters because it's, it's your club too. And supporters are the lifeblood of the game. Like they, they're so, so important. So the fact that they just get missed out on some, you know, marketed, marketed to rather than consulted, that, that's where we want to try to affect change. Uh, and actually in the women's game as i said before this it it could be a best practice example we've got some awesome examples of dialogue and relationships with it with supporters groups trusts and clubs in the men's game but actually i think it could there could be a higher percentage within the women's game because of where it is at this moment in time but
0: because of community assets they belong to the supporters it's good advice that as well just wanted to finish really because obviously there's no football at the moment with football on hold how are the fsa helping fans through this pandemic i mean i've noticed on the website that some really good resources and some really good information on there what else are you are you guys doing at the moment
1: yeah so we're we're Pretty busy um, with lots of different things. So um, we, on a day-to-day basis, I would deal with, um, say, supporters' trusts. They need to run their AGMs. They need to file their accounts. So, like, constitutional advice, um, just the running of a trust, the nuts and the bolts I would be doing. Um, One of my colleagues uh, with the community-owned clubs has been reaching out to to the clubs to get a sort of feel for what, what impact COVID will have. You know, Cubs. If the season did start again, the new season, you know, they would have been running for without any football for five months. So, what what impact does that have financially? Um, you know, do, will they lose volunteers? Those kind of questions. So he's been doing a lot of like surveying and um, trying to put guidance together. So we put quite um, we put quite a thorough guidance together in terms of the legal and financial advice we could give to community-owned clubs in particular um i've been working on some um kids worksheets so we we sent out some uh, resources for smaller kids partly to help parents in lockdown and partly to try to get them to understand this ethos of i'm a small so i can't have a say and um, so we've been doing that um it's been a lot of action in the women's game uh so we've been trying to um like pull together the lots of different groups and support them in in a a bunch of different things, and encouraging. Um, there's there's a lot of supporters groups that are doing awesome things. Man City's one of them um, to help with like mental health and food banks. Um, so our supporters groups have been super busy during this time. Actually, uh, the, the the European um, versions of us so funds uh, funds uh, FSE sorry and supporters direct Europe those two um groups have put together this like interactive map so it showcases all these different supporters groups and what they're doing um which which has, has been amazing as well to so sort of see like how many different groups are mobilising during this time and giving money to charity. So it's still been it's
0: still been pretty busy, even though we've been locked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I feel exactly the same, like at the minute, I just feel bombarded and absolutely, like we've been trying to arrange this for a couple of weeks and we've all been really busy. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah. been crazy. Um, I also just wanted to um, get you to just obviously in, tell us your social media accounts, where fans can find this information, you know, should they wish to have a look, because there is some really good stuff on there.
1: Yeah, so our website is um, thefsa.org.uk and then our Twitter handle is wearethefsa. Uh, I think at the FSA was taken by the time we'd merged, So um, I think it stands for the Food Standards Agency as well. So, We're definitely- <laughs> um, And then we also have a YouTube channel, which has got, that's another way that, way that we try and train and sort of like send messages out to our supporters groups to, to give them a rough idea because not everybody learns with, you know, these huge, like, 100-pager documents, like, some people want to have a more visual way of learning, so check out our YouTube channel, and um, there's some free S fans embassy videos on there as well, <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are the three ways, and then if you wanted to speak with me directly, drop our info at um, the FSA email address on the website, drop that a line, and then it'll be sent to me, so, you know, if you're if you're interested in getting the supporters' club together, or you just want to learn more about the supporters' movement, please come and talk to me. I'd love I'd love to have a chat.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. Judy, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Um, yeah, I think from from our side, um,
2: it's it's taken us probably a wee bit long, while well longer than we'd originally anticipated to launch uh, that that we'd joined the SSA. Uh, we were due to announce it um, at a big. Um, it was a city road show, so we'd actually, we would actually were supposed to have a player coming along to that road, well, hopefully a women's player, but definitely a city player coming along to that roadshow, And it was just as the whole COVID thing was kicking off, so that got cancelled. Um, so we have launched it, but it's just been a little bit more through our social media. Um, so, you know, we certainly want to do a little bit more. Um, as Debs was saying, she sends us bits and pieces. Um, sometimes it's things like, you know, things for kids to colour in and, and stuff like that, or, you know, kids of all ages to colour in. So And for us as a committee as well, we want to start looking at, you know, maybe putting together a constitution. Um, you know, as I said, we've been established for nearly five years now. Um, we, we've always followed the kind of the kick it out ethos um and you know but we want to try and think well, where where can we go as a supporters club you know what's our next level um and and of course as we've been on lockdown we haven't really had time to sit and think about that you know it's you know normally we'll sort of talk about it over a over a coffee in our in our executive office in asda um <laughs> then um but it's, we, we just haven't haven't got there yet. But obviously, it's something that we're really keen to do. Um, and I think we're, we're also very keen that once Debs can get some kind of like network, and we've been talking about maybe doing a webinar yeah. in the
0: future with, with the other um, supporters clubs as well, You know, we're really keen to, to participate in that. It, it does sound really good. I mean, I've really enjoyed having this chat. Uh, it's great to hear about the work that the FSA are doing and how they're helping and supporting fans as well brilliant to hear that the osc are on board as well and i really really do hope that other fans throughout the leagues as well in the women's game get involved with this because it's it's the more people that are on board with it the better
1: just to say as well we're not just the top two leagues it's spread across the national league as well so it's not like it's limited if you want to set up a supporters group
0: and you want some help doing it then i will help you no it's it's really good to hear that as well I mean, we'll certainly put the word out and uh, and hopefully we'll get, you know, hopefully some more people on board and, and ho- like I say, hopefully it'll just continue to grow and grow from strength to strength. Well, thank you very
1: much for having me as
0: well. Really
1: no, appreciate the chat. It's job. been
0: really great. Um, take care both of you and stay safe. Okay, thank you too. <laughs> All thank right, you. see you soon. Bye-bye, bye. bye, bye.